0: All right, here we go. So um, we are going to be talking more specifically about worship through song this morning. And I thought it might be good to hear from those who lead us in worship through song uh, before we get, get started. So I'm going to give these guys a chance. You probably aren't aware. This is just probably half, not even half of our entire uh, worship band. And, uh, and each of them to get ready for a Sunday morning comes on Thursdays. Uh, and gets here before seven, stays till at least nine, putting a lot of hard work and time, uh, getting prepared to lead us in worship, and then again on Sunday morning, they're here by seven to pray with staff and other leaders, Uh, and then they run through everything again a couple times before we even start this service, and so um, I thought it might be good to hear from them on why worship is so important to them, what causes them to want to serve at that capacity, and so I think we're on. I'm going to start over here, it's kind of risky with this guy, but uh, I'm going to start over here with Zach and... Just If you could answer that question, why is worship important to you? Um,
1: okay. Zach Grubb. Zach Grubb, that's me, yeah. Uh, worship, to me, um, man, God used worship really to, to draw me to himself. Uh, the music really connected with with me, and uh, it's kind of what he used to open up my eyes. And, and even today, um, there's, there's just a huge emotional connection uh, with worship music. Um, if you're in my... My truck riding with me, we're probably jamming to some worship music, uh, Shane and Shane or or Elevation, whatever it is. Um, but it's just it. God just really grabbed my heart through song and through praise. And uh, worship music is is the only music that's ever just made me cry, just just ball. Um, usually while driving to work, it's real awkward. I pull up into work, and I just got the, the ugly cry face going on, but uh, that's what worship music um, just does to me, and, uh, and means to me. Um, he, he showed me love through through his song.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Next. Priscilla Dilley, uh, same question to you. Why is worship so important to you?
1: I know that um, years ago, I heard a definition of worship, and it really just always resounded with me, and that's... Um, where you putting your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God praising him for who he is and what he's done and I've always always remembered that definition of my heart and my mind and um, being fixated on him but just in a constant um, attitude of just praising him and so for what he's done in my life
0: awesome thank you uh, you may not know that Cal's part of the team because we hide him in the corner, uh, but this very talented uh, young man, drummer, um, has a heart for worship as well and plays lots of other instruments, and so Cal, tell us from your perspective, why is worship important to you?
1: Uh, worship is important to me because um, it's a way for me personally to express love and gratitude to God, and it's, it's so much more than just me loving myself because without Him, I wouldn't be able to love myself, so I love Him more than myself, and whether it's just handing out subs in Flint, Michigan, or you know, playing the drums in Fort Worth, Texas. It's all to bring glory to God.
0: Amen. All right. And J.D. over here, our uh, famous bass player who does such a great job. Uh, same question to you, J.D. Um, what does worship mean to you? Why is it important to you?
2: I think uh, that
0: worship is important to me because here in America, we have a lot of things that try to draw our affection. And I think that when I worship, that's me telling God I want you to be the center of my affection, not all the things that the outside world uh, shows us. So I think that um, it's very important. Uh, part of being a Christian is that worshiping to God, declaring God Almighty and All Powerful. Um, and I think that's why it's important to me. Amen. Man, great, great answer. Well, um, we're going to get to hear from you later. Uh, so would you just join me in thanking them for the hard work that they put in to lead us in worship? <laughs> high fives all around. Good job, guys. Thank y'all. Thank you. All right. We will uh, get to hear a little bit more from Jason Martin, our worship minister, in a few minutes. But um, for now, we're going to be opening God's Word to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. And so if you would turn there in your Bible or on your your tablet, your phone, however you can to get there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we do, as always, put black, hardback Bibles under the seats around you. I describe them, just in case you pull out one that's maybe green or uh, blue, that, that belongs to somebody. But the black hardback ones, those are for you, and if you don't own a copy of God's word, uh, that's our free gift to you. We want you to have um, a Bible to take home to open uh, more than just on Sundays. Now, what we're gonna do today is walk through uh, Psalm 150 together, and we'll do that in just a moment. So, just a little background, if you're visiting with us today. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started a new sermon series entitled, A Church on Mission. It's a phrase we use every Sunday. You've already heard that phrase. And so what we're looking at is, as we begin this series is the unique relationship between mission and worship. And so what we understand and what we've concluded is this, that, that mission is the means, worship is the end. Worship is the goal we're after. Mission is the process of getting there. We won't always have mission, but we will always have Worship, And so when we engage in mission as Christians, taking the gospel to those people in our lives, family members, co-workers, friends at school, friends in your neighborhood, maybe people in your neighborhood who aren't your friends. When you engage in that mission, you're on a temporary mission. The eternal goal is to lead people into a relationship with Jesus that causes worship. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the specific uh, topic of worship through songs. And so if you've got uh, sermon notes, if you want to take notes and follow along in front of, the, in front of you, there's um, sermon notes in the back of the seats in front of you. If you want to grab one of those and follow along, that might help. Uh, but we're going to get started in Psalm 150, looking specifically at worship through song. Because last week we said worship isn't simply music. We tend to think that, right? We hear worship, we think singing and song. Now, while worship is so much more than music, what we see in the scriptures is that worship through music is the primary mode that God has given us as a church when we gather together to worship him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, specifically worship through music. Starting in Psalm 150, verse 1. Let's read together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Say it with me here together. Praise the Lord. All right. Beautiful psalm. Uh, No no way around it. This is primarily about praising, right? In six verses, we had 13 commands to praise Yahweh the Lord. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this psalm together, piece by piece. And what I want to begin with is the opening verse praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So what we're seeing in this verse is a call to corporate worship. The people of God coming together to do something that brings glory and honor to God. And so the first verse describes two different contexts for which we come together and praise God. The first one is the sanctuary, and the second one is the mighty heavens. Now we know right now in the mighty heavens, the angels are praising and worshiping God. That when one person becomes a believer and a follower of Jesus, the angels resound in in worship. We know from the Revelation sermon series, right, that eternally this is what we are going to be doing together. Joining with one voice, people from all different ethnicities and cultures and languages. I don't know what language it will be in, but it will be in a language because there's words to sing singing the same song to God, joining with the angels and all of creation. In Revelation 4 and 5, 21 and 22, this is what we were created for, right? This is what we were created for. Now, that's one context, the heavens, but the other one is the context for which we gather together here on earth to worship God together. So when we hear the word sanctuary, what I don't want us to think is building. Years from now, this building will not exist, but worship will. Matter of fact, the way we're growing, it won't be long before we're worshiping God in a different location, quite possibly, on this campus. There's nothing holy or majestic about this building. Trust me. It's been through multiple remodels and makeovers and pieced together, just brick and mortar, right? Brick and mortar that will one day be gone. So it's not about a building. When we say sanctuary, what we're saying is the place in time where God's people gather together. Same place, same time. Could be in this room, could be on the lawn down by the pond, could be at somebody's house, could be in a warehouse across town. But here's here's what I want you to hear. For it to be corporate worship, for it to be a fulfillment of what God just commanded, we have to gather together to do it. So this idea that I can fully engage in what I was created to do by staying home and watching church on TV, it's false. I can grow in that. I can learn a lot about the Bible, some amazing preachers preaching. I can even grow in my personal relationship with the Lord, but I can't fulfill what was commanded of me if if I stay home and I don't meet up with you somewhere at some time. This is a significant theme in the New Testament as the church launches and emerges. We're going to see next week how devoted they were to their time together, same place, same time. And so what we're doing here on Sunday mornings is is more than man's invention. It's more than a style of church. This is actually a holy and sacred God-ordained moment when we gather together. It's something we were created to do. Now think about that. Our lives are filled with so much busyness and, 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 and purposeless rubble. Things we chase after. But when we gather together on Sunday mornings, this is why this is such a powerful time in your lives if you're in Christ, is because you're doing something you were designed and created to do. When you're standing there from your heart with your lips, praise God, and somebody across the room is doing the same thing, in that moment, you're doing something that you were created to do. Now, right, so some of you have jobs, you go do certain things, and work at a bank or a school or do construction or all these kinds of things that are are work. And and you were created to work for a while. There will be a day, though, when work will cease. So that isn't ultimately what you were created to do. When you partake in worshiping God together, you are are touching the very heart of your existence and purpose. We learned that last week together. And so here in these five verses, I want you to think about something. You've probably noticed in your own Bible, this is the last psalm. This is the the exclamation point on all the psalms, 150 of them, songs that the Hebrew nation would sing unto Yahweh. If you just start reading in Psalm 1 and start tracking along, you're going to see some themes emerge. In the opening 23 or so psalms, you're going to see a lot of anguish and pain and suffering and encountering darkness. You're going to come across psalms like Psalm 13 that begin with the question, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Wow, that's an inspiring song, right? But as you read Psalm 13, it begins to give way to praise and worship. With my lips, I will praise your name. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet if you'll read the whole Psalm 22, it begins to give way to God's victory. Psalm 20, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, you're with me. And something else is going to happen. If you keep reading in the Psalms, you're going to see that the anguish and the suffering and the lamenting that begins at the the beginning begins to give way thematically to worship and to praise. And so what we're reading here, if you will, is the last stanza of the chorus of the worship of God's people, that we've gotten to this point where we say, you know what, with one voice, we will exalt your name. And so the command rings out, praise the Lord. Now, the word praise here is a really unique uh, Hebrew word. It's a beautiful word. On one hand, in a very literal sense, it means to boast about with words. So in order to praise, if I'm gonna do what the Bible told me to do, I'm to brag and boast with my words about God. So I'm gonna say things that are edifying to God, say things that glorify God. But in a metaphorical sense, this word means to burst forth with light. I love that. So this isn't some sense of just lip service unto God, my words are coming out of my mouth and dissolving into the air, but there's almost like a a sense that you can tangibly see the praise of God's people bursting forth with light. God inhabits the praise of his people. Where two or three gather in his name, he is in their midst. And so it's a very powerful, God ordained thing when we come together to praise and to boast about God. If you're taking notes, let's talk about this first phrase. When we gather together in corporate worship, we are stepping into a God ordained time where we boast in the Lord. Okay? With words. Right? It's not enough for us just to get together and hum and meditate and have background music to, to obey what we've been commanded to do. we got to open our mouths, as we're going to see over and over again this morning in the Psalms, with, with our words, we're to articulate bragging about God. Now, let's talk for a minute about the words that come out of our mouth in terms of the songs we sing together. Um, this has nothing to do with how talented you are musically, by the way. Um, I've, got, I've got two boys, and I see a significant discrepancy in their musical talent. I've got one who enjoys music and thinks he's musically talented, but he's not so much. He's, he's more like dad. And then I've got a younger one who, like picking up on keys and rhythm, he's just musically talented, right? But it's more than just being talented alone. I'll give you an example. So my youngest, Calvin, loves music, loves to sing. He's so good at it. Um, he's four years old, and ask him who his favorite songwriter is. Rich Mullins, like what four-year-old is right? even knows about Rich Mullins, but he does Awesome God, the Rich Mullins version. We sing it every morning on our way to school. I put it on for him, and he sings it. But just to illustrate that he doesn't fully get what he's singing, uh, this, this happened this, this past week. He's singing Awesome God with the hand motions. Kind of old school, right? right? My God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power and love. My God is an awesome God. So, <laughs> I'll just, I'm going to do my best to illustrate. Calvin, four-year-old, back seat, seatbelt on, just just going to town back there. So he starts off singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power and love. Our God is an awesome God. Watch me whip. Watch me nay-nay. Watch me whip, whip. Watch me nay-nay. True story, without missing a beat, just carry right over it. I was like, oh, so close. Man, I was proud. The words we sing matter, right? The words we sing matter. And I hope that he grows up to understand the difference between those two songs, right? I hope he does. But as we're gonna see in verse two, the words that we sing matter. God doesn't just say, bring me anything you want to say. Bring me any old lyrics or song. Like he tells us specifically what the content of our worship is to be. In the same way he prescribes a context, coming together, God's people, one voice, same time, praising his name. He, in verse 2, gives us content that we're to be singing when we come together. Verse 2. He begins by saying, praise him for his mighty deeds we we'll to talk about this in a couple of different ways. So on one hand, in a very specific way, God is working in your life. Some of you may say, I don't know that that's true. I'm just telling you he is. You're here today and below the surface in some way God is nudging and he's working in your life. And, and, and many of you know it and you could get up here with a microphone and give a testimony of something specific God has done in your life this week. And that fuels your worship. So you come in here and it's on your mind and heart. And as you sing these lyrics about the greatness of God, it's coming from what, right, this place of what he's done in your heart and your life this week in a very specific way. And so the first thing the psalmist tells us is to praise God for what he has done. Now, but we don't have songs, you know, with lyrics to them that get that specific, do we? So maybe for you, um, God moved in a tremendous way this week and and broke through in some significant way. But we don't have the song to match exactly what he did. So when we say praise him for what he's done, we want to look at the bigger story that God is writing with all of our lives together. God is doing such a tremendous work here at Solid Rock. It's so much beyond what we could have ever hoped for or imagined. Some of you are already aware of this. The church is growing like crazy first Sunday of this year, we had 238 in services. Last Sunday, we had 334 in a sanctuary that holds 180. So with two services, 360. I mean, by Easter, right, we're going we're to be well out of room. I, yeah, that's why we're talking about a third service and making more room for people, right? So we're excited about the work God is doing collectively here. You know, if you read your Bible from cover to cover, you're going to come across lots of stories, lots of examples of the amazing work God does in the lives of his people. But if you read it as one story, you're going to see that all the little bitty stories are actually pointing to one bigger story, and that is God's redemption. That is the main thing God is doing in your Bible, Creation lasts about two chapters, and then we derail the whole thing. And all the way until we get to Revelation 19, 20, 21, there's this story of God redeeming what has been lost. He's doing that in a a very specific way in your lives, but collectively, this is the work God is doing right now on earth. He's redeeming what has been lost. He's redeeming relationships with people that don't know Him, He's redeeming marriages that have gone astray. He's redeeming brokenness in your life. He's he's redeeming moments where where you've given into addictions and and pursued your own path. And he's redeeming those things and creating something good and beautiful out of it. And so when we get together to sing, that's the content of praising God for what he has done. Right? And so we sing redemption songs. We're going to sing a song at the end of the service I am redeemed. That's personal and it can also be corporate because every one of God's children can stand with one voice and say, I am redeemed. And we could so easily change the words to, we are redeemed. And so we praise God for what he has done. I'm gonna give you a couple examples. Um, Glorious Day is a song we sing here. Um, It's a song that was originally written by by one gentleman years ago. uh, Michael Bleeker recently kind of revamped it, added some music to it. Um, But it's a song we sing here often. You're probably familiar with the lyrics. But here's an example of praising God for what he has done. Look at the verbs in this. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day, he's coming. Oh, glorious day, oh, glorious day. If we went through every verse of that song, every verse of that song is about praising God for what he has done. So so we're supposed to praise God for what he has done. We uh, we sang a song just a few minutes ago, Jesus Paid It All. Such a simple song. Many of you have known and been singing that song for years, but just listen once again to the words of that song. Jesus paid it all. You believe that? I do. Paid it all, and I worship him for that. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. So we engage in singing that song together as his people. We're praising God, boasting about God for what he has done. The rest of verse 2. Gives us another indication of the content of what we're to be singing when we come together. And we also praise him according to his excellent greatness for who he is. Now, I'll never forget, I was at a worship conference, and, uh, and Bodhi Bakum was speaking, and he made a statement that I'll never forget. It rocked my world, forever changed my theology, my perspective of who God is. He said this to a room full of worship leaders. God deserves to be worshiped whether he does anything or not. And see, when I first heard that, I didn't like that. What? I mean, why would I want to worship God who doesn't do something for me, right? And so what Vodi went on to show us from the scripture is that God's character is worthy of worship, whether he does anything or not. And the fact that he chooses to do something on top of that makes it doubly joyful, right? But on a a foundational understanding, and see, here's the thing we got to remember. I don't always see the work God's doing. So if my worship of God is solely based on what he does, I'm going to excuse myself from worship because I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know what God's done this week. But we know this, don't we? We look in hindsight, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years back in our life, and we can see the good work the Lord was doing below the surface. And at that moment, we didn't even know he was working. Right? Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he was with me. We look back at struggles and we see this amazing work, how God was shaping our character, conforming us into the image of Jesus, and we even know it. And so, not only do we worship God for what He does, right? But we must worship Him for who He is. He's worthy to be worshiped, whether He does anything in my life or not. And the fact that He chooses to work in my life makes it doubly joyful. Let me give you some examples of some songs that we sing that are primarily worshiping God for who he is. Um, A song by Christian Stanfield, beautiful Jesus. Your love, O God, displayed for us as crimson, crimson, crimson covered over sinless hands. Your majesty for all to see in raging storms and quiet cloudless days. God, regardless of what's happening in my life, you are majestic the song goes on beautiful jesus beautiful savior nothing is greater brilliant creator friend of mine see so just worshiping god simply for who he is the song continues you're powerful above you're powerful above this world the universe is under your command you're all powerful you're all sovereign Your glory shines a holy light. You're holy that leads our heart to praise. Your holy name is on our lips. We praise God for who he is. The song continues on. Beautiful Jesus, beautiful Savior, nothing is greater, brilliant creator, friend of mine. Perfect in power, matchless in glory, nothing is greater, brilliant creator, friend of mine. And my lips will sing, my heart will bring praise to you. Why? Because you're the holy king. That's who you are. So we worship God for who he is. We started off this service with a song, The Lord Our God. And you may not have even noticed it, but another song about praising God for who he is. I love the opening line, promise maker, promise keeper. Now, there's things God is doing in making promises and keeping promises, but the praise is specifically about who he is. You're a promise maker and a promise keeper to you are. Promise maker, promise keeper. You finish what you begin. Our provision through the desert. You see it through till the end. You see it through till the end. The Lord our God is ever faithful. That's who he is. He's faithful. Never changing through the ages, from darkness you will lead us and forever we will say, you're the Lord our God. Verse 2, in the silence, in the waiting, still we know you are what? Good. Even in the stillness when you're doing nothing, at least from my perspective, you are good. Yes, we can know you are good. Yes, we can know you are good. I love the bridge. So we won't move without you. We won't move without you. You're the light of all and all that we need. So we praise God for what he's done, this amazing redemptive work he's doing in our lives personally and how he's working on the earth collectively to redeem creation. We also worship God simply for who he is. He's worthy to be worshiped whether I notice him doing anything in my life or not. If you're taking notes with us. Corporate worship is when the people of God boast, the people of God boast about what he has done and or simply who he is. So do the words that come out of our mouth matter, right? We don't just shift from awesome God to watch me whip, watch me nay-nay, right? The words matter. We worship God and we boast about what he has done and who he is. Now, verses three through five uh, brings up the interesting conversation about instrumentation in worship. And so from all across the world, we have all different cultures and styles and languages engaging in worshiping God in a lot of different ways. Some of you grew up in churches where Maybe it was a small church or a country church, and there wasn't a whole lot of talent in the room. And so you had one person up at the front with a hymnal, you know, lead, doing their best to, to get through a song with maybe a pianist on the side playing along. And you, you experienced some fantastic God-honoring worship in that setting. I got to experience some of that. Or maybe you grew up in a more formal church, a bigger church, had more funds, had the huge pipe organ in the backdrop of the stage, choir was on the stands, instrumentation, string section, brass section, all of it coming together, right, to to worship the Lord. And and you engage, you experience some fantastic moments of true corporate worship. Maybe you grew up in a setting that didn't have instruments either by choice or just didn't have anybody who knew how to play. Right? So just with voices, you boasted in the Lord. You praised him for what he has done and who he is. And it was powerful. You experienced corporate worship. See, even without instruments, it's still music. Because there's melody in their notes. And the music, the instruments that you put with it, as we're going to see from the, the scriptures here, is simply Optional. Right, just to see that, I want to look at the at Psalm 149. It's the psalm right before this to express again this, this, this way you can worship with instruments and additional music. So, verse three of Psalm—I'm sorry, verse one of Psalm 149. Again, verse verse is going to tell us what's on the psalmist's mind. Verse one says this: "Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song; His praise in the assembly of the godly." Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? God's people assembling together to sing and to praise him with words. But then look at what he says next. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Verse 3. Let them praise his name. Stop right there. In order to praise his name, we have to use words. You, know, you can't you have to articulate it. We have to exalt his name. We have to say this is who we're singing about and who we're singing to. We're not just bragging about some mystical, ambiguous being out there, right? It's not, I'm not just taking a love song that I also sing to my wife and, and applying it to God. I'm praising his name. I'm identifying who I'm singing to. But look at the key word here, with. With dancing, making melody to him, with tambourine and lyre. So here's another option of ways that you can accompany the praise and worship unto God. All of it's musical, right? But there's not a exact way you have to do it, or else we would have the. I mean, we'd have the uh, the, the tambourine. No tambourine in here this morning. Uh, and the lyre. No lyre in here this morning. Uh, didn't did, we had some cymbals? Cal playing the cymbals. Uh, was it? There was a. Little, I mean, come on. We don't dance very well. I saw a little bit of this. So maybe we had some dancing in here. I mean, right? Tame dancing how about pipe? Didn't have any pipe organ going on, right? So this is just a description of what music is supposed to do in accompanying our worship. The key word is with. So Psalm 150, verse 3, praise him with. Praise him. That's a vocal thing with trumpet. You can do it with trumpet. You can do it with the lute, the harp. You can do it with tambourines and dancing. You can do it with strings and pipes. You can do it with cymbals and clashing cymbals. But you can't praise him without articulating, voicing with words, who God is and what he has done. And so regardless of what style you prefer, right, we're all commanded to do this, to exalt the Lord. Whether you prefer the piano in one voice, whether you prefer the full band here, or you prefer no instrumentation at all, all are viable options. The main point is what you sing and what you say and what you proclaim, who he is and what he has done. Let me give you some examples from other psalms that what we say and what we sing matters. Psalm sixty six seventeen, 17. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. Right, This is overflow of the heart coming out of my mouth. Psalm 69, 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, 2. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with what? Songs of praise. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Psalm one hundred nine, thirty: With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng or the assembly. Psalm 96, verses one through three. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. So if we're going to obey the command of the Psalms, we're going to have to use our words. Words matter. Now, I've heard this before. Nobody in this this church ever says this, but I've heard before, well, the reason I don't sing is because I'm not musically inclined. The reason I don't sing is, you know, I'm not really down with the style. The reason I don't sing is I've got a hideous voice and I don't want to distract people. Now, um, I appreciate your intention, um, but the reality is you can't obey the scriptures unless you engage in singing. I'm not always comfortable starting a conversation about the gospel with somebody. I'm just not, but I'm commanded to do it. It's not always the most exciting thing in my life to give money away. Sometimes I have a hard time with it, but I'm commanded to do it anyway. And in the same way, right? This isn't about what you're comfortable with. It's about what God's worthy of, right? And so there's this, there can be this macho perspective that singing is for the ladies and the students, and I'll just sit back here and watch and listen you're not obeying the scriptures if you do that what everybody's got to have a microphone no 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 no. you're commanded to praise God with your lips when you gather together with the assembly there's no other way around it six verses 13 commands praise God boast about who he is and what he has done with the people you don't have to sing so loud your neighbor can hear you right because you're not singing to them you're singing to God but open your mouth and boast about how good God is. Verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You say the last three words. Yeah. Who is included in this? Everybody who has breath. So a good, a good check to find out if God's expecting this of you, just right here or right here, whichever way you prefer. Like, if you have a pulse and your lungs are working, God is saying, I am commanding you to praise. Whether you're musically inclined or not, is beside the point. Think of it like this. I already said, I got one boy that can sing and one that's working on it. But here's the point. Like, it's, it's, it's equal blessing. It's equal blessing to hear him sing. And God is our Father, and it is a blessing unto the Lord when his children gather together, with everything that we have, to boast in him. And he's not listening for your perfect harmony. Matter of fact, sometimes he might say, you know what, keep your harmony to yourself, you're distracting people, and you're not as on key as you think you are. Just, right, just sing. Sing unto the Lord. Praise his name among the assembly. And I want you to see, I want you to know that. What we do here on Sunday mornings is not about a style or a way to do church. This is about us seeking to obey our Heavenly Father and we bring our voices together to worship. If you're taking notes, the last statement on your sermon notes, God has commanded everything that has breath to participate in corporate worship. God has commanded everything that has breath to participate in corporate worship. So it's not enough for me just to say, hey, well, I do my singing in the car. I've been called to get together with you and sing and to lift our voices together unto him. Now, we started this sermon series with this statement, mission exists because worship doesn't. This is what we're after here. When we get together on Sunday mornings, it's just a snapshot of what we will do for all eternity. I wanna invite Jason Martin up to the stage before we sing anything else together. Jason, if you'd come back up I want you to hear from our music minister on this topic of worship, and a little bit about what goes goes behind what's going on behind the scenes as he's preparing to come and lead us on Sunday morning. So come on up. Would you welcome and thank Jason Martin for all that he does? Um, I just got a couple of questions for you that I think would be helpful for us to know and to hear your heart on some things. So. Um, Jason's been at this role specifically since October been serving in this capacity since 2008-ish so a long time he's been serving as a volunteer but now God's called him to lead this team and so he's our worship minister been in that role since October the 18th I think was your first Sunday Uh, doing an amazing job by the way Um, and so I would like to hear from you one of the, the things that we told you when we interviewed you is that we want you to be the gatekeeper on the songs that we sing in other words not just any song will do he's got to be the one who says, yes, this song gets to enter into the database of songs that we sing. So if you could just for a minute, share with us, what is it that you go through in your mind and heart before you allow a song to go into the database from songs that we choose to sing on Sunday morning?
2: Yeah. So we listen to a lot of music and, and one of the awesome things about what we do up here is, and you got to hear from our team earlier, these guys have such a heart for what we do. Uh, they come to, you know, they bring songs all the time. And so we're, we're just, we're listening. And, and really what we listen for is what we're singing scripturally accurate. Like, can we sing this and back that up with the book, with the Bible? Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of other things that, that really go into it. Is this, is this where we are as a church body, as a church family? Can we sing this together and really, really mean that? Uh, but That's one of the biggest things is it scripturally accurate. And also, you know, one of the other things is, do we, can, when we sing the words that we're singing? Do, can we tell who we're singing about? Are we singing the name of Jesus? Are we lifting that name up? Is it the gospel that we're singing? And so those are those are really two of the biggest criteria for for what we will do here.
0: That's really good. So uh, so not just singing random love songs that could apply to Jesus, but right. singing songs that identify this is who we're singing to. Um, I really appreciate that take on it. So um, when it comes together, when it comes to putting together. The songs we sing on Sunday. Okay. I know that there's a lot that goes into that technically speaking. And, and so if you just talk about that, you're going to be over most of our heads, mm-hmm. but, um, but could you give us a little bit of insight to the process, um, that you go through every week to get us to the point where we know what songs we're going to be singing, what key we're going to be singing and where they're going to fit in the service. What's the criteria you use and what does the process look like for doing that?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I personally like to get in the word and that's. To, to do what we do continuously. Um, knowing where he's going to be at in the sermon. Knowing what scriptures he's going to be landing on. I love to just read through the scriptures. And sometimes what, they, what it's speaking to me is, is not always exactly on, on par with the direction he wants to go. But we're getting perspectives it's from the same word. I, I like to, to soak in the word. I like to know where we're at. Um, I pray a lot. What is this week? What What is this about? Again, where are we at? There's there's so many songs on the list. If you were to, to look at our list, it, it can be overwhelming. Uh, but, but it has to ultimately fall in line with the gospel. Not every Sunday do we get up here and we can pull every song together that's going to line up exactly with the sermon. That happens a lot. There's some, like, Revelation series. He's yeah. like, I'm going to do this for months. <laughs> like, okay. There's like one song called Revelation Song, so, <laughs> so we really had to get creative and think about. It. So, so what it is is, is, is honestly, it's singing the gospel. Whether or not I can line up with the sermon, if we can sing the gospel, what also is happening is you guys are speaking the gospel. You guys are singing the gospel back. And to hear yourselves do that out loud, when you think about what you're really doing, that's, there's so much power in that. It's the word of truth. It's... it's Words that have been being sung for years and years and years. Um, it's just healthy to hear yourself do that. Yeah,
0: that's good. I thought when we had you up here, we might just do one last thing um, before we pray and invite the band back up. Could you paint for us a picture of the vision that, that drives you in terms of what you want from us um, in corporate worship? What is it that you're leading us to? What is it that you're looking for that would cause you to say, you know what, we've arrived. We've met our goal here as a church. Could you paint us a picture, describe yeah, that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's obviously, there's, there's vision in what we do, and there's intentionality about what we do. Um, you know, one, one of the unique things that we have from this vantage point, when, when we lead in worship, you, you see the Spirit move in this room. And so week in, week out, like no matter how tough things get, no matter how tedious it is to put this set together, put this service together, there's, there's this unique point of view we get to see, and that's the Spirit moving through the room. When hands go up, like that's just not something we do normally, is just is do this. That's, that's the Spirit. So from the worship team, we want to be led by the Spirit. And then we're led by watching you guys. So, you know, a vision moving forward is when we start the song and you guys are leading this room, you guys are singing so loud that we can't hear He said it earlier. And that was spot on with, with what I'm thinking. Man, that's, that's my vision for the, for, for the worship in this room. When, whether you've been coming here for years or this is your first Sunday here, like you walk in the room and you just know there's just something different about what's going on today. Like I want you to know that that's, that's worship. I want genuine worship to be felt here. And, and I can speak for our team. That's, that's their hearts. That's where we're at. So hearing you guys belt it out just is, is amazing. It's awesome. We're a family here. We think, you know, there's unity in what we do.
0: Hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk a little bit about worship with us. And so, I'll tell you what, let's stand together. And let me pray over us before we sing. And, uh, and allow God just to prepare our hearts to engage in corporate worship through song now. Father, we are so um, overwhelmed by your goodness, by the majesty of your, God, your character and your identity. God, who you are. God, we're also overwhelmed and overjoyed by the work you do in our lives. God, each of us is undeserving. God, each of us is, is, is has lived a life that would say, you know what, you'd be perfectly just if you just overlooked us. But God, you don't overlook anyone. And you continue to do this amazing work of calling people out of darkness into the light. You can you continue to do this amazing work of touching brokenness where it is and healing it you continue to do this amazing work of restoring relationships that otherwise look like they were doomed to end God you continue to do this amazing work of setting captives free and breaking addictions God, you are worthy to be worshipped whether you do anything in our lives or not and it's doubly joyful to know that you never cease to work Holy Spirit, move across this room as we sing now. We pray this in Jesus' name.